Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's going on, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. With me, Sean Tipping, I'm going to be talking at you today. Uh, Joining me on the show is Matt Fonslow. Uh, You're all familiar with Matt. He's been on here many times. What we're going to talk about today is the challenge of transferring uh, knowledge and experiences to the next generation of technicians or beginning or younger technicians in this field. And, you know, when you spend decades of your life uh, growing your skills, your skill set, building experiences and knowledge, perfecting your craft in a trade or whatever job you do, but of course we talk about automotive here. Um, how do we or can we <laughs> transfer that knowledge to someone else? I mean, do they have to live all of those experiences and go through everything you did in order to get to where you're at? Well, you know, most likely that is the case, but we almost have an obligation as experienced technicians in this field to try to pass on our knowledge and our wealth of experience to the younger generation in some form. So, you know, what are some of the best practices doing this? Uh, What are some of the challenges that we come up against, the obstacles that we face trying to do this? I mean, what's a realistic expectation of the amount of knowledge that we can transfer and how do we do it? So that's what we're going to talk about today. And of course, we branched off into a few other subjects. Uh, we got talking about AI and stuff like that. So um, pretty, pretty interesting stuff. I always enjoy talking to Matt. So with that out of the way, let's jump right in. Yeah. Um, so that uh, that Volkswagen that I sent you the video of the other day, where it would that this is what they call me in for is the vehicle runs perfectly fine it starts up runs and then you, now you have to have the trunk open in order to get to that state to actually start and run the engine but if you close the trunk on this it was a 11 passat if you close the trunk it shuts off and not just the engine shuts off but like the car is dead to the world like no calm nothing you can plug in the scan tool and um the the led lights up but you can't talk to anything and it's dead you open the trunk everything comes back to life right so i mean it's it it was like i was just like oh this is really this is really interesting problem um and i ended up finding out it was tied into something with the interior light circuit right so i could actually do the same thing with the dome light switch, you have the dome light switch where you can do dome light on, dome light with the doors, or dome, dome light off. And if I switched it to one of two positions, I could do the same thing. I could kill it. So I'm like, okay, this has something to do with the interior light circuit. And same thing with the trunk, where the switch for the trunk, because that's all it is at the trunk latch is one switch to ground. And so I was trying to figure out, I was like, well, what's what's happening here? Is it shorting out a bus or whatever? Um and so I ended up finding out that it's the vehicle 
what is Volkswagen call it? A vehicle electrical control center control module. It's kind of like a BCM and it's down. I was, I was going to um, garner, I, I forgot already what year you said, but my, when you're just talking about that now, I was thinking like that central uh, electronics module or comfort systems control module sitting under the driver seat and sitting in a flood of water. Yeah. The, Vehicle electric control modules behind, like, the left side of the dash. Like, you pull a panel off, you can see all the relays under oh, there. Okay. And it's got, like, terminal 15 and 30 relay that it controls. And it pretty much runs, like, everything in the car. And what I found ended up finding out was that this module was shutting off when you'd trigger it by shutting the trunk or flipping the switch, right? And so I'm going through this thing, checking it, checking it, checking it, and I end up finding out, so this interior light circuit, which at some times obviously is supposed to have power on it, um, that's just how it functions, when, when power would go to it, or basically you'd lose, you'd lose a ground on this circuit, it's really weird, that's when this thing would die. But as long as there was a ground on this wire, this interior light circuit, um, and it had to do with the switch positions, whether there was or wasn't a ground, but I could manually apply one. Same thing. The module's alive. It's fine. You take this ground away, and it's out. It's done. That's it. So it's like the module was grounding using this wire, and it's definitely not supposed to, at least not what I could tell on the diagram. So I'm like, okay, well, it's a module missing ground, and that's what I was assuming I would find. And I'm going through, and I'm, I, I triple-checked all the grounds, and I went through all the factory diagrams. I went through the Volkswagen diagrams because I'm like, maybe one's missing in Mitchell. Cause I really, I hate, oh, yeah. I don't like track diagrams myself, but I went through them. I'm like, I got all the grounds. They're all there. I loaded them. They're good. Checked all the powers. They're all there. I'm like, what's, what's going on with this module that it's using <laughs> this light circuit as a ground. Um, and so I ended up talking to the shop, which, I should have questioned more up front, but it turns out somebody was trying to fix the blower motor in this thing. And I guess they were jumping relay terminals around and stuff like that. And in that box, of course. And I think they, they must've smoked something inside of this module. So I told them, I was like, you're going to have to replace this module now because I've checked everything to it. And I haven't heard back yet. I don't have Volkswagen programming stuff. So I was like, I can't, I can't code this for you. Um, so I was oh. looking, I was actually looking into Otis, well, the the setup, but the the physical hardware is like on super back order. So. Yeah, depending on um, if we do it on a Friday night or a weekend, you know, I'll bring Otis up and you can play around with it and see it in all its glory. Yeah. If it's n- well, I'm running into more and more yeah. volts. What year did you so say it was? I'm, that's kind of next to my list. Uh, 2011. Yeah, 2011. Yeah. So I shouldn't even say it because I'll sound like an idiot if I'm wrong. But ah, it's too late. I already sound like an idiot. Um. Yeah. SVMs. <laughs> Show you about SVMs. Okay. Um, I had a, I had an instrument cluster, on a, another. Uh, that was Passat wagon that I was trying to do a used one. And I don't know, I was messing around and messing around a bunch of aftermarket stuff and got absolutely nowhere. So that, that sort of 
thing <laughs> inspires me to go get the factory one when it just everybody's like, yeah, just use Otis. It's super easy. So <laughs> it's a relative term, but yeah, once it's up and going and once you're fairly comfortable with it, it's pretty good. And it, and it gets the job. Okay. Done. More, most importantly, it gets the job done. Um, and gotcha. it, in, in grand scheme of things, it's not that expensive, especially if you have a few to do and you can do a few programmings and stuff like that. Uh, coatings, component protection. Does it cover both? You got to buy two licenses. Does it cover both? No. For Volkswagen and Audi? Yep. But you can, you know, don't get me wrong. You can have them both on the same laptop, same interface. Okay. And uh, the you just have two licenses. And there's a procedure on gotcha. how to do that. And their tech support's brilliant. Yeah, there's a guy named um, Travis, I think, mostly deals with us, I think. And he's great. He's a great guy. Oh, you can always give Seth a ring, too. I'm sure he knows his way around that thing. I seem to remember them talking about uh, getting more involved in that for, like, with the LMV stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Otherwise, He's doing a bunch of Tesla stuff, too. Oh, yeah, I know, right? Him and Scott Brown both, I think, are doing a fair amount. But Seth, Seth, well, I would seem more surprising, right? And kind of our neck of the woods, New Brighton area, where right. you know, out in California, Ontario, not quite such a reach. Have you played around with uh, any of the stuff that they released mm, just recently no. for Tesla? I wouldn't. I wouldn't have anything to even hook it up to yet. You know, I, I even <laughs> advertise. Okay. Again, it's more preemptive, I guess, but, you know, advertise that we service Tesla just because if somebody's looking, I want us to pop up there and I, you know, show up and, uh, you know, I'm sure or not, I'm sure, but we can deal with most of it. And then, uh, yeah, with the release of what toolbox is it just toolbox or toolbox three, it's, um, I think that puts us in, yeah, I'm not yeah, sure. Puts us really into the game, and then you know the the stuff I've heard about. Like I, I know there's the uh, more grandiose type stuff, but the, the most people I know that are servicing them, it's it's regular maintenance without the ice. You know the tires and mm -hmm. steering and suspension type issues, and you know huh, we've been doing that for a long sure. time. Yeah. So I might be setting myself up for a nightmare, but I pretty much, <laughs> that's pretty much the story of my life. <laughs> yeah. We, BMW, bring it. Harsh lesson. <laughs> right. All keys lost on a BMW. Yeah, I'm, I'll figure it out one way or another. Burned on the cast. <laughs> that would be me. What do you mean? What do you mean? I couldn't use smart mode. <laughs> Why would they even put it in there if I can't use it? <laughs> yeah, I can't just hit buttons and the whole I can't use back. expert mode. I'm not an expert. <laughs> I I saw that on the Autel. It's like advanced, smart, yeah. or expert. I'm like, which one's I'm going the with best? Smart because <laughs> I don't know which one to hit. Smart usually works and doesn't let you mess up too bad, but in this case it lets you really mess up and you know, it's like asks you if you want to save 
uh, f- the file, you know, it recommends you save. And then it logically, the way it seems the screens are set up is when you hit next, it's going to do that. It's going to save it for you. And no, no, it doesn't. It okay. goes to the next step and then it starts trying to do the uh, degrade, de- uh, degrade the eye level. And <laughs> it just goes sour. It goes sideways and you're done. Yeah, you're done. <laughs> Uh, now you're uh, either uh, well. I ended up pulling the the CAS, the uh, FRM, the ignition switch, and I think is that all I did. And then like whatever keys I had, boxing them up and shipping them to okay. somebody with. I, I'm pretty sure it's BMW Explorer, and uh, they save the save the day. Yeah, that's uh, a that's a tough lesson. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, hindsight 2020 all the freaking time. I probably could have rescued it with Autel. I could have probably just went out and got Hextag, Hextag 2, whatever, and again, could have saved it, you know, without a huge investment. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, I don't know, my confidence took a pretty good hit on that one. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I know the feeling. Um. That's that's probably a good way to to ease into this here <laughs> is you're talking about keys and stuff and I mean that's the sort of thing hopefully not on every vehicle but that's the sort of thing you got to go through to actually know what to do and what not to do when you're approaching something like that and uh you called me um a while back talking about how I don't know if it was the owner of your shop or somebody you work with wanted you to start teaching the the key stuff to other employees. I, I think it so to make sure that this is uh, prefaced properly and accurately. I, I I think his angle of asking was very um, very positive, like looking out for me and the future, you know, which may involve just more, even a more prominent conventional management type position and day-to-day. And I think even more so shop ownership that you now are own this place. You can't be the guy doing all of it. You're going to have to figure out how to, teach these guys how to do some of this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that that's, I feel very strongly that's where he was coming from. However, the way it was phrased and um, all that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I don't want to say like I, you know, quick threw on my crabby pants and all that, but it was the general idea of it. I felt um, didn't, didn't take into consideration all that went into what I do day to day. And please don't interpret that as I'm so freaking great or I know so freaking much. Or if I would say that, it's not because I myself know so freaking much. It's just, I think the average fairly competent tech, whatever their area of specialty or areas of specialty is, they know a lot more than they give themselves credit for, much less Joe blow on the street. Like they, you start thinking about how much crap, you know, it's, it's sick. Yeah. And, and 
it's yeah. probably the same way, you know, if you're building houses and you're on construction about all the crap, you know, all the, um, you know, the, uh, building codes and whatnot, like rattle that off or run into the encounter into this problem. And oh, it's what, this is what you do. Go get a four by four and a two by four mm-hmm. and your nail gun. I'll show you a kid. So, you know, but guess where I was going with that is with the, the diagnostics, the immobilizer stuff, the programming, all that, that I didn't arrive at it because I went to a few classes. I didn't arrive at it because mm-hmm. I went to two years of uh, auto technology and another year uh, on diagnostics, if you will, or drivability troubleshooting you know um and then just experience in the shop that all helped but i don't i don't it just felt like it didn't take into consideration the hours and hours and hours of sitting on iatn chat until two three in the morning um saving Mm -hmm. up your money and spending money you didn't have to go to you know, and so in my time, you know, whatever the the old days when I had to go to training classes, I had to walk up the hill to go to training classes and then walk up the hill to go home, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they saving up my money so I could go to uh, Indianapolis to uh, for the one week uh, Linder Technical Services Guru School. And saving up my money to go and fly my ass out to San Bruno, California to spend the weekend learning about hybrids from Harvey Chan and saving my money. And, you know, Hey mom, dad, I know Christmas isn't for a few months. My birthday isn't for a few months, but instead of getting me something, could you help me get down to Kansas city for vision or, you know, Wanting to go to Vision, but having a very good friend calling up saying, hey, man, if you can get down to Chicago, you can ride with us and I'll split the hotel. And now all of a sudden, now I, hey, now I can afford to go. I can get down to Chicago. Yeah. Five, six hour drive, five hour drive. Huh. Done. Mm-hmm. And that investment. And then, you know, as I got improved and my income kept going up, spending more money on training classes, spending more time uh, buying, (laughs) which is a double-edged sword, but buying and reading uh, like SAE documents. And, you know, yeah, I was staying up till one, two, three in the morning on IATN chat. It's also staying up until one, two, three in the morning searching for answers, Uh, you know, be it SAE, be it, patents be it um uh like college research type stuff labs you know so like i think the university of michigan Uh has an engineering lab university of wisconsin i don't think it's eau claire though it could be Eh. but they have an an internal engine uh, internal combustion engine type lab for engineering Okay. And so sometimes their stuff will be on their website, you know, and download the PDF and read it. And I'm not saying I could read this stuff and know exactly what they're talking about, but it's like anything, right? You keep reading it. Um, 
buy some more books, uh, the Haywood books. You know, now there's two. There's an older one mm-hmm. and a revised one. Buying them, trying to read it cover to cover, and then realizing it's probably not going to happen. You're just going to have to think up questions and then go in there and try to find the answers. And uh, then the networking, the you know, because I could make it down to Chicago and go on this ride to become friends with the people in the vehicle, to attend visions, the Linder Techs, the um, Linder Technical Services would have not only the guru schools, but they would have an annual conference. And to be able to attend those and get to know people and people kind of in my own, not just age group, um, and not just my similar thinking, but also my own similar stations, you know what I mean by station? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you hear that your your station in life. Well, here's my station in the trade right now, and mainly a diagnostic tech, or I do some C level repairs. But you know, if there's something to troubleshoot, I'm the guy. And finding other people that kind of live mm-hmm. in that world and want to get better, and some of them were much better than me, and some of them weren't. But that challenging and getting better, and. I don't know how you just take all that and now, you know, you got a couple of guys working with you for you. And just, not that I'm against handing them the information. I just don't know that it sticks the same way. I don't know if the process is the right. same way, you know, there's a, there's another podcast I kind of made, uh, not made, but uh, I was in on, I think it was on carms and I, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure. And it was, referencing Jurassic Park. Like you stood on the shoulders of giants. Okay. You, but you didn't do the work to get sure. there. And mm-hmm. not that I'm a giant. I guess I could just call myself a freaking giant. I didn't mean it that way, but <laughs> to to take that information and understand it at the level of not going through the hoops to get it. And Right. I know how that could come off as being very protective of the information, and maybe I'm to a little to a degree because it cost me a lot of time and money. You earned yeah, it, but I just felt like I don't think it works quite that way. Um, I totally agree. You can't just transfer, you know, everything you've experienced to somebody else, even if you were you could articulate everything just perfectly and spit out all the facts of everything that you know for someone else that that alone won't work even if it was possible i know i can't do that sometimes i'm like trying to explain something i know and i'm like i can't get it out in words but even if you could it's not going to stick cuz what you were saying like with the bmw keys and and all the things that you did like it's it's the experience that you had or experiences, many of them to get, you know, what you have as far as experience and knowledge and, and foresight doing what you do. Right. And so again, you can, you can give them all the facts. You can lay it all out. Here's everything you should technically need to know to do whatever I'm trying to teach you. And until they until they burn down that cast or they they mess something up or they struggle right they have some challenge that they have to overcome it it doesn't it doesn't get burned in the same way as it did for you or anybody that's done this or whatever they're good at like you said um there's there's so much more to it It's, it's not an easy thing to do but the the problem is too is you know they have to want that right and i think that's the big thing 
there there has to be a desire to actually work work towards that to go out you know seek out challenges seek out bettering yourself um even if it just was just facts and that's all they needed right they just just the knowledge and i mean in today's world it kind of is with the internet like you can find almost anything you want out there <laughs> right or wrong <laughs> <laughs> right yeah right or wrong uh, but even if it just was facts they still need to have the desire to go out yep. and find it right and that is a challenge with a lot of people for various reasons, right? Like some people just want to make a paycheck and they have a million other things to worry about. Uh, some people just don't care. Some people just don't have the same passion that we do for what we do. Um, but then, you know, you come back to it and okay, well, I'd still like to pass on, you know, what I, what I've learned, what I know. So what's the most effective way to do it? How, how do you keep, keep what knowledge that you've gained in the field and, and I'll, I'll let you answer here. No, I'm, talking I'm a bunch, thinking about the answer. I, I don't I, think I have it. I, I worked with a guy, my very first shop when I was still in tech school, his name's uh, Mark Novotny. And I, I doubt he listens to this because he left the field at 42 to be an electrician. Okay. Genius. And he was super. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. The guy was super smart. Like just, really well-spoken, really intelligent. Like when you have a conversation with this guy, it's just like, wow, he's, he's, he's a mechanic. He's working on cars. Um, and he, he was leaving to be an electrician in, I don't know, 2005 or something. And the store owner who had worked with him for years while he was a tech, he, he told me as a young person, he's like the knowledge that's leaving the field with this guy is it, it's tragic that it's just poof it's gone all the you know 20 years of everything that he's accumulated it's gone so i mean how do we get how do we get that out of matt fonslow before he's gone <laughs> well luckily for everybody there isn't that much so <laughs> that uh that solves a lot of issues um I think for uh, where I'm at, um, it's just finding the right uh, either personality type. And I'm not sure that's the right way. I'm not sure that's the right qualification either. But the somebody that really does want to learn and not just like listen to me and, oh, here's how you do this. Not that I'm against, I don't want to sound like I'm against doing that, but you know, if I show them diagnostic network, if I show them IATN and specifically the search to go back and look at all, you know, the conversations that went on decade, two decades ago between some of these really heavy hitters, really, really, really smart guys, you know, the Randy Burnclaws, the Jim Kempers, the Paul Beltuis, the, um, Harvey Chans, of course, the, um, Keith Lawyer, if I say that right, uh, Tim Lina's, uh, John Luttenberger's, although I'm not sure he was in the forums as much as the chat, but still, these guys were smart. John Riggle, Cassie Beach, I'm going to get rolling here, that you find <laughs> Bent Ragsdales, you search their names and read everything, and you can't help but get smarter. You can't. They're, and you come back to it later, because maybe you go through it the first time and 
right over your head and come back to it later and again and again and it's like wow you know they were some of the stuff they were talking about then is more common knowledge now but back then it was Mm -hmm. next level next level uh specifically like fuel trims it was just next level and now if you watch uh, i'm sorry i don't know if watch is the right word but if you're on a diagnostic network you may find out on many modern vehicles specific i don't know i shouldn't say specifically gdi but most cars are going to be gdi anyway so i'm probably safe saying it but i'm not sure that's 100 percent accurate but a lot of things that we thought we know about fuel trims is no longer the case because we have shifted from something you know that that we're typically we learn on a feedback system to now feed forward and that throws a lot of what we take for granted out the window or at least complicates matters a little bit that maybe mm-hmm. you can't rely on this the way you used to now i'm not saying ignore it you have to think about it a little bit differently. You can't maybe hang your hat on this the way you used to. That that information's on diagnostic network. I haven't seen that anywhere else. And so if I have somebody that I show them these resources and then they come back and they're like, hey man, you know, I, was, I had a rough weekend. I spent about 14 hours on, you know, IATN going through all these old conversations and geez you know this guy and this guy and this gal and wow wow and diagnostic network did you see that did you see this thread did you see that you know i was listening to the automotive diagnostic podcast i was listening to uh you know carm's podcast or so-and-so's podcast or you know they're talking about this what what are they talking about what do they mean by that Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden it's almost like they're in a whole different frame of mind or, or, you know, we, I forgot YouTube, you know, sure. or, or, you know, I caught a glimpse of this, uh, and then I went in and I spent my own money and I subscribed to Scanner Danner, you know, and I've been mm-hmm. watching all these other YouTube channels, you know, Mario's, um, Pine Hollows. I, I found some old Keith DeFazio stuff. This, so, and this is crazy. And did you know about this or how, what did, when he did this, how did he know that? Um, that to me, all of a sudden you're now in a, a different mindset to what now what, what I tell you stores differently and resonates differently. It isn't so much just factual anymore. It's now theoretical and pro. Yeah, I think I mean that, like a, like a protocol. You start thinking about things and the way they work differently rather than, you know, this car is doing this. Can you show me, you know, how would you go about fixing this car? And now you have no, like, how do I take you from level two to level eight? And arbitrary numbers are, you know, just an, an example, not like I could ever hit level eight of anything. Um, that, how do you do that? That would take a tremendous amount of time. You know, this, this car is missing on one bank. You know, this, this Chevy truck is missing on one bank. Well, when is it missing at idle or going down the highway? Cause you, you know, and now let's monitor these PIDs and this is how I'm going to process these PIDs. And 
where where does that stop? You like now you're talking about well, let's think about how the PCM knows how much air is going into the engine so that it can, you know, calculate how much fuel to deliver. And then the feedback sensors, in this case it would be feedback, how they respond and how mm-hmm. depending on the certain failure could skew those numbers or jack around with them. And a lot of people listening to this, they know exactly what I'm talking about. And this is, they're probably fluffing up their pillow because they're going to conk out and putting them to sleep. But somebody that doesn't know, if you're just telling them like, well, look at field trims, what are they at idle? What are they at 2,500 RPMs? What are they under load? What are they going down the highway? And then they go do it. They come back and you're like, well, it's a cat, man. Well, how do you know? Well, because the field trim skewed when you're going down the road with a lot of air moving through the engine and thus the exhaust. It, that's that's glancing. It's not wrong, but you're glancing over some details. But if you're trying to explain to them how you got there, that's not a short conversation anymore. I don't know right. that you could cover it very well over a lunch. You might have to have a few lunches with them. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And it's not to, it, it's just not trying to sound like convoluted or anything like that. It's just think of sometimes I was like, or when he said that to me, it's like, you should think about what you're asking. Cause you know, a, it's not like I'm unwilling to part with this information because I don't think it's really mine to mm-hmm. keep. But on the flip side, the person receiving it, are they in a position to receive it? And not, and we're just, that's just drivability. We're not talking about electrical electronics. We're not talking about a mobilizer, key cutting, key programming, more, probably more so key programming, not that key cutting is such a freaking science, but, you know, adding keys to cars that can get problematic depending on the situation in the car line and whatnot. And sometimes the OE way doesn't even work so hot. And now you have to use whatever. If you want to qualify them as backdoor methods, I don't know, but different methods, not non-conventional methods right. to add keys. And sure. And, and the only reason I feel like I can know what I know about that stuff, not that it's so freaking much, because it is not. You know, there's people I start talking to about a mobilizer and key programming, and I'm not even in it. You know, the Chad Balls of the world. Pfft, I am. <laughs> I'm not fit to sweep his floors, but the only reason I get to is because that's really all I have to deal with. Cause you're not going to see me, um, putting brakes on a car or pulling timing covers mm-hmm. or, I mean, it's, it's a rare sight. A lot of times I figure out why the car is making the noise and then, Oh yeah, I think it's, uh-huh. I think it's brakes. Pull it down on a hoist, set it, and then I walk away from it. I'm done. I don't. I don't touch it anymore. Other than maybe verify the repair. Sure. But that's that. That is one of the biggest challenges to this industry is that you could turn just about any direction in the vehicle, and there's a whole other world that you're a beginner in now. Again, even after you've been doing this for decades. You you turn towards keys or mobilizers or, I mean, heck, even even steering suspension alignments yep. if that's not your thing and that's that's a whole other world 
um, where somebody else, like you said, has has it. They, they're the they're the expert, but you know they earned yep. it. They they put their time in. They struggled. They went through challenges. Got their butt kicked on stuff yep. to to get that. And I I think like you were saying, you know, what does it take for somebody in, in their mindset is that they have to have a mindset, uh, you know, of personal growth that they not only want to, but they believe that they can improve themselves in an area that I can take on a new challenge in a new area. I'm, I'm able to do that because I know at one point I didn't really believe that of myself. I was like, well, this is what I know. I got to stick here. And if it's outside of that, uh, I don't really know what I'm going to do. I didn't really think about it like, well, I can, it's going to take time and effort and money and struggle, but I can learn this new thing. I can, I can take on this challenge. I just have to effort it. That's it. Like, I don't have to be super smart either. I just need to put in the effort to gain whatever knowledge I need to make this happen. And that's an important mindset for a younger person. Again, how to, how to transfer that into somebody. I'm still working on that. I, I try with my students, but I try to just instill and I'm like, Hey, you're able to do this. Anybody's able to do this, but of course you have to want it. You have to have that, uh, that passion, I, I guess, or at least interest, maybe interest is a better way to put it to, to seek it out and to actually want to improve yourself. Yeah, I, I think that's, <clears throat> that's probably the biggest factor. There's always going, I mean, it's always going to be at some point, depending on what we're talking about, you you are limited by your capabilities whatever that may mm. be. And I think this, don't get me wrong. I, I think this is maybe pushing out towards the margins. Okay. So that, that being said, I, you know, I think one of the classic type of, um, uh, analogies would be, we, you and I decide we're going to start studying chess. We're going to get really good at chess and buy chess books start watching videos on YouTube, subscribing to chess.com, joining a chess club locally, playing each other online. And we start getting pretty good, you know, quote unquote, pretty good because none of our friends will play us anymore because we we destroy them. It's it's not even Mm -hmm. fun for them anymore. We're toying with them. I could have you know, I could have beat them in 12, but I'll let it go at the 24 moves just because I'm going to F with them. And just slowly, <laughs> slowly take away all his pieces until they got nothing left. And they just, and you're toying with them. However, you, you know, we go on a tournament and find out they we're not quite as good as we thought we were. Or you and I play and, you know, I hit a certain level that's, you know, maybe using like five numbers, maybe, maybe I hit a 1500, which I think is a pretty good, like recreational level, but you understand the game differently and better than I do. Like it's something with it makes sense to you on a level I can't access. And now you're into Mm -hmm. the 17, 18, 1900s, maybe bumping into some two thousands, maybe. And now you're, maybe you win some local tournaments, you know, or or slightly larger tournaments. And are you studying harder than me? Maybe, maybe not. 
maybe I'm studying way harder than you. But I, but I think the fact of the matter is, is I still got to a, a level that would be um, not only, I guess, reasonable and acceptable. It's, you know, with some hard, some hard work and um, effort in the right areas, recognizing your true weaknesses and studying up on them and building them up that you can for sure become the best in the shop, on the block, in the town, in the county, right? Eventually you're probably, you might hit uh-huh. a ceiling, you might not. I mean, that's not for us to predict, you know, now, now we're going to get into some statistics type stuff, but <clears throat> so I, I guess where I was going with that is you don't, the goal can always be to be the best, whatever that means. The best. I don't know what even, I, I wouldn't even know what to qualify that as. What's the best you right. know, for, of all our friends. Who's the best. I wouldn't be able to answer that. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I would. Thornton. Done. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's the easy way out. Yep. I win. I'm, no, oh. I'm down with yeah. that. <laughs> but it, he doesn't cut keys or do, you know, he's not e-proming anything. So maybe sure. now we can't There's have him in dimensions. there anymore. No, no. Who's, whatever. See how that debate rages? It's just, it's, to have a goal, put yourself in the best position to, to succeed and achieve that goal. And isn't there like an old saying? I I don't even know where I've heard this, but um, shoot for the stars. But if you only make it to the moon, that's okay too, or something of that nature. Like that's a pretty lofty, yeah. you know. That's a that's an Aim accomplishment. For the- Aim for the stars, and if you miss, you still land on the moon, or, or so, something yeah. to that effect. Yes, I, I know the one you're talking about. Um, well, it's not it's not to give you an out for not achieving your goal, but understand, like depending on what that goal is, it might be unreasonable. Just you know, just because you don't end up being the best in town, doesn't mean you're a, f- a uh-huh. failure. It may mean you need to go back and search for what are the where are the weaknesses because um, what what I see a lot not just in auto repair I think it's in everything I think it's in everything people want to learn the most advanced version of something so you you decide one day that hey you know I want to learn more about physics so you just you skip all the Newtonian stuff you skip relativity you skip quantum theory you jump right into string theory and i mean anybody that's fairly keeps up a little bit on physics knows that string theory's got lots of issues you know but still that's where people jump to because hey, i've heard about it and it's super advanced it's our it's one of our best hopes for a unified theory of everything well, by skipping all that other stuff, yeah, skipping all that other stuff, you've done yourself a great, great, great disservice. And um, I just find that happens, you know, we're talking about automotive stuff, so that's what we'll stick to. That's 
show me the most advanced stuff you can. I want to take this super advanced class on internal or um, diagnosing engine mechanical issues with a pressure transducer in cylinder. But you haven't taken anything else leading up to that. And okay, right. you could take the class and it blows your hair back and you're like, oh, wow, I need the scope. I need this pressure transducer and I'm going to go back and I'm going to figure out all this stuff. And that's not really how it works because it's going to blow up in your face. That those classes, um, not that you shouldn't take them, but try to find the stuff to lead up to that and understand that, hey, now I've had sure. this. I took this class. I bought this stuff, had the shop buy this stuff, whatever. It's not working the way I thought. I'm not, it's not coming as easy as I had hoped. I'm calling for support a lot. Or, I, you know, now I have these tools to collect the data, but I rely heavily on a group of people on social media or on another website to chime in to help me figure out the car. Well, you know, that may have defeated the purpose. And to take a second and yeah. Think about where were the where are the weaknesses so that now you can flip the script and people now have to ask you for help because you get that underlying theory leading up to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Approaching it, see, I think it kind of might force you to ask yourself why you want to improve or like you said, like why you feel it's necessary to try to be the best, whatever that means again. But you know, a lot of people feel that way. I know I have in the past, like I just, I want to be the best around, right? That's just like, I'm going to try everything I can, but I think it's important to ask yourself why you want that exactly. What is it that's pushing you towards? (laughs) For the groupies. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> I suppose that's that's a good that's a good point. Um but that you know <laughs> some sometimes <laughs> sometimes the 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 reason that you want that you know you want that is not I don't, I don't know what the word is. Um it, it's not really beneficial to you in the end, right? Yeah. You're just you're just seeking maybe some validation of you know from other people, but you know, is it, you mentioned the word successful. I think that's probably a better goal to shoot for rather than I want to be the best. How can I be the most successful for me? And in turn, you know, my family and people that are close to me. Um, I, I've been victim of that for sure. But going back to what we were originally talking about, I guess I'd like to find more people that <laughs> – that just have that passion to be the best, right? Even if it's maybe a little misguided and they'd want to jump right to the advanced stuff. I just want somebody like that in the first place, because I think that's tougher. It's just tough to find in general, right? Yep. Yeah. And I don't want to sound like I'm a blueprint or anything, anything of that. I guess right or wrong. The, the reason I say stuff like that is I'm, I'm not sure how else to, paint the picture or explain my thoughts other than unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know, depending on how it gets interpreted is in reference to what I did. Not, and not, I don't, again, I don't want to imply like it worked like, Oh yeah, look at, you know, look at where I am. Follow my path. Like I, 
I work for a, I work for a shop. I'm diag tech and shop manager. You know, that's I don't think I'm nothing like some of these other wildly successful techs. You know, listening to them and the money they make and the hours they turn and the cars they fix and the I mean messed up problems they find. So you know that I think I know my place. And it's not there, not that high. But I I just remember not being not necessarily being a car guy. You know my my I think my favorite car as a kid, probably in late at late elementary school maybe, early middle school, was a Grand National. And it's not because I saw it in a magazine. It's not because I saw it on television or anything like that. It's because a guy who kind of rented some space on my parents' farm um, Mm -hmm. to store uh, firewood. He would go up to the Twin Cities, Minneapolis-St. Paul, and sell firewood by the truckload. So he stored all his firewood in stacks there to dry. And with his firewood money, because... He did that to um, stop drinking. So instead of drinking away his money, he spent his money on chainsaws, gas, bar oil, and then he'd go out in the woods and, you know, that's how he spent his time instead of drinking. And okay, so he took that money over the course of however many years, I don't know, maybe it was only a couple of years, I don't know, but he bought himself a 1987 Buick Grand National, not the GNX, just a Grand National. And to me, it was a cool looking black car that one day he's up in our machine shed waxing. And my dad and I are up there, uh, working on one of the tractors and he's like, you know, Hey, Fred, my dad, you gotta go for a ride in this thing. I think this could have taken so-and-so's car back in the day. Cause I guess they went to high school together or, within a few grades of each other and they would go down to whatever area and drag race their cars, you know, like something straight out of, um, uh, American graffiti or something. I don't know. And, um, my dad's like, yeah, okay, whatever. What's it got in it? Oh, a V6. (laughs) Take someone's car with a V6. You're a funny guy. But anyways, he finishes waxing it and we're, still putzing on the tractor and he's like let's go for a ride let's go for a ride quick you you, you gotta you gotta feel this you gotta check this out i i think i'd have gave him a run okay so away we go and i'm sitting in the back seat and that thing i mean that was an intense experience and my dad's yeah. like <laughs> i th- does not a v6 you funny guy yeah we can get home pops the hood and of course i does it say I think it just says 3.8 liter Cephi on the top. Is it the turbo one? Yeah. That one? But I know it says okay. turbo and 3.8, but I don't know that it says V6 on it. But you open the hood and obviously it's a V6. And so from then on, that was my favorite car. But that's, I was never really the car guy. Go to uh, two year school, the first day of uh, school, we get a tour of the shop, see the scan tool. Boom. Like, that's cool. That's all I care about. I could give a rip about differentials and transfer cases and alignments. Pfft. 
Anyways, mm-hmm. from my very first job, and, and even at school, it was just a question a minute, always asking. If I was my first job at a, a Ford dealership, supposed to be doing uh, car prep and uh, lube tech duties. But I was always getting busted looking over the fender of what someone else was doing. What are you doing? I put together the SBDS that the dealer got sent, you know, and that was my uh, lesson that the dealers don't really <laughs> go page through a catalog and go, oh, we got to get this. No, it got, it showed up with a bill. <laughs> Here's the invoice. Okay. You need this. So I put the SBDS together. I had no idea what it was or what it did. I had no idea. And then when they were using it, like I had to know what they were doing. Like I just, I get in trouble, a lot of trouble over it. But I don't, man, I don't have anybody that's worked from, has worked at a shop I've worked at or worked under me or anything like that. I've just never witnessed somebody always kind of bouncing around. Not that I want them screwing around as much as I did, but genuinely interested. What's going, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Yeah. How do you know? What does the squiggly line mean? What, you know, and SBDS would be, uh, would tee into the uh, harness between the engine control module. It would tee into that. And so it would get some raw data and you could graph that out. And um, like, I had to know, like, what does that mean? Why, why are we looking at that? And Mm. needing to know, trying to understand it. Going back to school, going like, well, can you explain to me why Ford has a PIP signal that goes to an ICM that then gets spat out as a spout that goes to the engine control module and then comes back? You know what? I don't. I don't understand. And um, they they may not be able to answer it quite right, but then digging through the training manuals, because all the training manuals are in the plastic bags yet at the dealership and stealing them and going home and trying to read them. And I just, I haven't run, I haven't run into that yet. And I think not, it won't have to be at that level, but man, one, it'd be nice to have that type of curiosity. Like I want, Mm -hmm. I want to know as much as I can know. Well, I think in all reality, I think we're both aware that like that's just not going to be that common regardless of what topic we're in. Uh, maybe I should say automotive specifically, right? There's just not going to be that many people that are that interested in that. Everybody's diverse. They've got other interests and whatever. So we won't find a ton of those people, but they are out there and – I think it's it's on us and a lot of us that are into it to try to catch, yeah. <laughs> capture those people and keep them, yep. right? Once you recognize that, because the, the worst thing you could do is squash that uh, in any way, shape, or form, um, because then they'll, they'll go elsewhere and they'll find something else that they're interested in. But to be able to recognize that and, and nurture it and support it and say, yeah, keep asking questions. Um, I've been lucky enough to see a few students like that come through that are really interested in it. Um, I, I think w- what I've tried to do, you know, I've, I've thought about that specific aspect of it is, you know, how do you, how do you retain, how do you instill something in somebody like that so that 
they stay in it. They stay in our industry and make it better is for me, um, be to try to be an advocate to the industry in a way where I am as I show my passion about what I do outwards as much as possible, because I really believe that showing it, it, it's contagious, right? If you're passionate about something, obviously you can be interested in something, but to really put it out there to the people that you're around, um, you know, younger, older, whatever it, it, it spreads. Um, when I, um, when I was younger, I never played sports at all. I'm, terribly uncoordinated and I just didn't like sports because I was really bad at them. Right. Mm -hmm. And when I bought my house, I was 21 and I had no money. So I had a bunch of roommates and I had to move in and they all watched hockey. Right. And I never, I never watched sports at all, but they were, they were so into it. And it was, it was just (laughs) right. They were just, they were just hooting and hollering and having a great time. I'm like, well, I got to check this out. They're having like the best time ever. And so I started watching the games with them and it was just, like I said, contagious, the, you know, the amount of like passion and fun. So I got into it. And then of course, I don't know, I'm just obsessive with stuff. So I got really passionate about it and I got them to go, you know, join a men's rec league team. And it's, but that's the sort of thing is like, if you, if you can just exude that, if you can show it to the people around you, I think, I I think it's, maybe one of the simplest things that we can do um, to, to help the younger people um, because it, it doesn't require much thought, just a little bit of effort to put it out there. Just be like, look at how excited I am about this. But it, I think it makes a big difference. Yeah. I think, I think you just have to be aware, right? You, you have to be looking for it. I, I'm, I think I'm looking for it. And, um, when you recognize it to try to feed it a little bit, you know, maybe not just jam stuff down his throat, you know, their throat, he or she, but to feed it a little bit, answer the questions, you know, as much as you can or reasonably can, or, you know, as long as it's appropriate, you know, it's like they're asking you maybe something super you know, quote unquote advanced again, whatever that means. And you sitting there thinking like, well, you know what? You need to worry about this first. So let's talk about this first and you don't need to worry about this just, uh-huh. just yet. But now you, you you see that spark, whatever that is, the it maybe. <clears throat> and then if you can to feed it a little bit, not just with like answering questions and the knowledge and all that, but depending on what their passions are. And it's really easy for us to talk about like the diagnostic side of the world, because I think that's what we eat, breathe and sleep. Mm-hmm. So, and actually the name of this is the automotive diagnostic podcast. So I don't have to worry <laughs> about the other systems on a right. car. So the, um, you, you see that they're, they're passionate about it. They, they seem to really care about it. So now, yeah, you're answering their questions, but also, you know, assuming, you know, they're doing tires and oil changes and whatever light duty type stuff that when they have an opening, maybe you're like, Hey, you know what? There's a check engine light I'm supposed to look at. Why don't you bring that in here and hook up to it and start looking at it? 
Um, and I'll come over and mm-hmm. we'll talk about what you've found in the, you know, in 15, 20 minutes from now and let them, you know, not saying they're actually replacing anything just yet on their own, but they're going to whatever process they may or may not even have. And that might be lesson number one is, oh, well, first of all, you need to have a basic process. I'm the worst person in the world to talk to about a process because I literally make it up as I go. And how do I feel today? (laughs) Starting with what scan tool would I like to use? Hmm. (laughs) Which one's charged? Yeah, I haven't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you you know my life. I left this one <laughs> off the charger. <laughs> Can't use that one. You know, but what you grab whatever based on what the car or whatever you feel like. Anyways, maybe you're talking to them about their process that you, you know, hey kiddo, let's start out with just the process first. Did you drive it? You know, what was the symptom? Just the check engine light? Yeah, okay. So you brought it in. What what should you have done first? And, okay, whatever code it is, blah, blah, blah. I mean, we don't have to go over that. I think we know where we're going with that. But it's kind of feeding that a little bit. And they're getting a little bit, being able to quench that thirst maybe a little bit. Getting a taste Mm -hmm. of it. And hopefully it's somewhat successful. In that they, they, they gain something from it. And then maybe you can do it again and again. Hey, bring that check engine. Maybe, you know. Now they're for sure they they're gonna pull codes and maybe they'll kind of get in the right vicinity with it, you know. Hey Sean, yeah, it, it's customer said it was running rough, check engine lights flashing. Uh, I didn't drive it very far because I didn't think that would be a good idea with a misfire, so I plugged into it. It's got a P zero three zero three, and I I gotta tell you it feels. Like ignition, because that one you showed me a couple months ago, you said it felt like ignition. This one feels the same way. It's kind of random and not all the time. And then you go over there and you're like, hey, yeah, good call. I, I agree. I think this is ignition. So what should we do? You know, we're on flat rate, so get a coil and a plug. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you know, but now it's like, do we bust out a scope? And, um, and even if it isn't like a super complex scope class, you know, whatever scope you have, pull it out and we'll just assume it's a coil on plug and you can lay whatever, a test lead and a penny on the freaking thing to get a squiggly line and compare Mm -hmm. like, Hey, okay. What was the code again? 303. Okay. That's cylinder number three. You know where three is yet? Okay. Let's go to the neighbor. What's that look like? Let's look at this one. Oh, they're way different. Okay. What should we do now? Verify power feed and, you know, what, depending on the system. I I just think that that's got to be the way to, to, to give it to them in doses and, and keep feeding that fire, throwing maybe kindling on the fire a little bit and uh, keep sure. it raging while they, work their way up off wherever position they're at. And then, um, right. We sort of ease them into it too. Right. Because if you just throw them in the deep end, you know, 
most, if not everybody, is just going to struggle <laughs> to keep their head above water because this stuff is really complicated. Um, but if you can kind of, like you say, hold their hand through it, you know, set up intentional challenges, yep. right? Like give them things and don't don't give them the answer for it right away, but put them in a scenario where they don't feel like, you know, everything is on them. Yep. Um, I remember one I got, I was like, I was still in tech school and they just handed me this ticket for uh, turn signals that weren't working. And I, I wasn't even anywhere close to ready, but I was the tech that was working on it. And this lady came out and she was standing outside the bay, arms crossed, watching mm. me as I'm trying to figure this out. And I have, I, I'm, I think I might've had a clue of what to do, but in the scenario, the pressure, the lady staring at me, I lost any knowledge that I had. And I, I had no clue. I had no clue what I was doing. And luckily one of the other techs eventually came over and, and helped me after they saw I was just, just floundering with this. But that's the thing is you, you gotta, you gotta support someone that's new to this so that they don't, uh, just say, well, this, this sucks. I don't want to do this every day. I'm out of yep. here. <laughs> and and if they're left like that um, to their own devices or buried that bad, it's too easy for them to seek alternative methods that don't grow them. Meaning they're sure. whipping out their cell phone and Googling it. Or if the shop has some sort of a database, I mean, really... The heavy hitters, right? Identifix or IATN. And now they're yeah. going to that for the answer. And they they really miss out. And I'm not trying to insinuate either of them is evil. And even Google to a point isn't evil. Well, by itself isn't. Or searching by itself isn't evil. But that there's repercussions. You know, it's not... It's not one of them things where, like, I'm running out of avenues here. I don't know what more avenues to go down. Now I'm looking for this, you know, helping hand to bail me out. And then because of that, I'm going to learn and go, okay, well, here's an avenue I could have went down. Or how did I miss that? Or what training do I need to not miss that anymore? And I, I just I think that happens too often is they are kind of left on their own, thrown to the wolves, and well, you got a computer at you know, your station at your, at your toolbox. We have Identifix. Why aren't you on there? You know, here it is. It's fifty-eight hits. Why aren't you? Yeah. And you know, and then you wonder why we have. S- I, guess, I suppose you got to be careful how you word that too, but you know, there's a fair number of vehicles we see a week that have been elsewhere and misdiagnosed. Sure. And I guess I don't want to imply I don't misdiagnose, but um, no, I don't think anyone does. But it, it's it's kind of rampant, and unfortunately, some of them you can read the history of invoices, and it's. You could patchwork it just right that it follows the um, suggestions on those databases. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. You know? um, I I see that a lot because a lot of shops I go to have Identifix, and yeah, the top hits are generally done or 
they're at least working that direction, uh, you know, cause that's what they've seen before. Or that's what they've looked up. Um, that's, that's a whole other interesting part to it is the, the information that's now available online. That's only going to increase yep. as time goes on. Um, and it's, it's so different. Like, I mean, back to originally what we were talking about, like transferring our knowledge, uh, you know, before, uh, you know, each person leaves the industry. It, it's so different. I, I think it's going to be different in the future than it's been like, I don't know, all of human history where the human had to get it to the other human. And maybe it was through a book or video in the last century, but now I think it's gonna be so much different. The amount of information that's out there being recorded, documented out there in the internet. And I mean, I'm going out in left field here, but like the AI systems that will be integrated to filter and search through what's out there to present information to you. I mean, you give it 20 years. I mean, who knows? Maybe I just type something in and the computer shows me a Keith Perkins video. Well, here's your fix right here. This matches all the criteria to what you punched in. And all I got to do is bolt apart on. I I don't know. Maybe Uh, nothing against Keith, but I just feel like what you're saying. It's hard to put a timeline on it. Mm-hmm. Because stuff can be stuff can drag out a long time, just not see the big improvement until all of a sudden, boom, there it is. Now it does it. And what I mean by that, I guess, you know, not trying to be intentionally vague, <clears throat> but it's hard for me to imagine that it can it won't end up to the point where the vehicles will be either darn near diagnosing themselves or you're interacting with the car, not unlike say like kit from Knight Rider where you're talking, like talking to it literally or a system that interfaces with the car that you are interacting with talking to. And I'm 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 going to assume at least for now in the next 20 years the AI portion and it wouldn't necessarily even have to be innately AI but let's just say the diagnostic system will be such that you know wouldn't need artificial intelligence necessarily but they get the they get the diagnostic protocol and process good enough with the vehicle and another system or just on the vehicle where it, it, it knows what it needs to do, but we don't have the robotics with the dexterity to do the actual repairs for now. So now the techs really are going to be more like grease monkeys, like literally something the car or the diagnostic system is going to be telling me what to do and how to do it. And yeah. maybe, maybe it's on a screen and maybe I'm going to have a heads up display, you know, and maybe I'm going to have, um, a virtual reality or, um, um, augmented, augmented reality where through my heads up display specifications pop up, 
almost like an overlaying video of how this component comes apart, what tools I need. And I, I just don't see how that doesn't happen. I just can't put a timeline on it. It's like some days I think it's going to be 10 years from now or five years from now. And then there's other days I'm kind of like, nah, I don't know, man, it's maybe 40 years away. I, even with, yeah, you know, even with autonomous vehicles, I think they're already doing better than they would have ever imagined. And we hear about all the failures with Teslas and whatnot, but we don't hear a whole lot about how many miles those things are going relatively autonomously, not, you know, and and Elon would never suggest that they're fully, I don't think he has at least suggested that they're fully autonomous. They're still like level three. Uh, Scott Braun might hear this and get mad at me, but I think level three. (laughs) I don't know the levels. You gotta, you gotta be ready to grab the wheel. I know that. Yeah. So, um, they're doing so much better than I think they thought they would even a few years ago. And I, uh, there's a, I don't know if you listen to, um, Lex Friedman, Friedman, Lex Friedman. Um, he's a yeah, MIT. Awesome. Yeah. Stuff. Well, he has his own podcast. He's been on uh, Rogan a couple times. And the first time he's talking to Rogan and autonomous vehicles are a long ways off. And then like a year later, two years later, he does another podcast with them. And it's like, well, <laughs> They've made some big progress. They've made some leaps. Yeah. Maybe not so far away. So you you don't know how that goes, right? It's an, it's it's not a smooth um transition or whatever into this technology, but I just feel like most of that stuff, most of the stuff that's coming out, and we'll just say AI Although maybe we don't technically mean artificial intelligence. We're just going to maybe in some sure. cases improperly use it. But I, in either case, we, we probably have to call it AI just because they're probably going to be using, you know, deep thinking or machine learning of some sort to teach itself how to do what we want it to do. In this case, mm-hmm. troubleshoot, diagnose, and not just cars, like everything people yeah the big machine from idiocracy could be real (laughs) and i but and that's what that stuff targets right it doesn't target the lowly well okay it it targets the lowly um repetitive motion type people and that's more like robotics and anima or not animatronics but um i suppose maybe the animatronics if it's for entertainment but um you know like the robotics i'll go with it yeah, it's, let's just stick with it. It's a big word. He must know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> he's using it wildly inappropriately, but so what? Um, we're you know like factories. The more mundane, monotonous jobs are being replaced by robots. You know, quote unquote robots. Um, uh-huh. That the AI portion is going after the um higher level thinking type stuff. So the, the diagnostics, you know, so yes, the doctor is going to look at your MRI, but we're also going to give it to, you know, Watson here (laughs) and he's going to take a look at it too. And Watson's probably going to find stuff that the doctor can't see because of physical limitations. Yeah. And Watson might save your life. 
And it's going to get to the point where I don't know if they need the doctor anymore, that that doctor, the specialist anymore. You just need the radiologist or whatever. And then Watson looks at it and goes, oh, yeah, got a grade one tumor here we got to address right now. And then taking all your family history and all these tests you've had your entire life, every drug you've ever been prescribed. And now, boom. It knows the best course of action to cure you or whatever. And I think that's not, I don't, I don't mean that like scare tactic either. I'm not like doom and gloom at all. Just, I think that's where it's going is now cars will be very similar. We're going to take more and more diagnostic decisions out of a human's hands. No, I, I think that's inevitable. It'll eventually get to that point. But like you say, what the time frame is, nobody knows. Um, uh, yeah, it, you know, it could accelerate quickly or it could be very, you know, non, non-linear too, depending. It, it's, it's so, it's obviously impossible to predict, but that is a crazy thought to just think that, yeah, you wouldn't have to do half as much or put as much effort and thought behind getting to a solution when the, the car is just automatically providing you with you know, key parts of information that we had to seek out before, um, you know, just because it can process all the information faster and has different ways of monitoring it that they build in. Um, and, and information that gets withheld from us would not be withheld from them. You know, one of the most valuable things we can collect as either individual technicians or as a collective is known good cam crank correlation or known good cam crank waveforms so that we can figure out the correlation, you know, the, how they're aligned. Mm. Yeah. We have, the only way we get that is from known good. We got to find a known good car or after we fix it. And now here's the known good. And that's got value. Lots of it. That system will Mm. not have to, it's just going to know it will be told. It will know what the crank waveform should look like. It will know what the camshaft or cam position sensor waveform should look like. And it will know well, the, how... They already do, yeah. right? I mean, it's 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 in the computer. Oh, right, yeah, because it sets codes. Yeah, okay, you're right, sorry. Yeah. But, but no, that's that's exactly what yeah. you're talking about, though, is like that's the sort of thing that we can't see, that we don't have access to. It, it's in there. It's obviously making that comparison, but we have to go seek it out in a completely different manner because we just we can't get access to that yep. well that'll be uh <laughs> that'll, that'll be interesting in uh 20 years to see where uh see where we end yeah. up and on that disappointment <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i don't know it's i just think it's a pretty cool time um yeah. and I think it's a good time to be getting into this. I don't know how much longer it's going to go, but I think right now is a really, really good time to be getting into this. And if we can, if we can figure out how to pull in the curious, the 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 ones that kind of need to know how it works, what whatever that may be, you know, I need to know how mm-hmm. this works. I want to know how either the car system or just anything in general, just they're going to apply it in auto 
repairs? How do we draw them in? And I think it's never been, I think, I could be full of crap, but I, I might be a, uh, have gotten into the trade later than to know what it was in, before that because a lot of the older, older techs talk about, you know, very fondly of, I think, like the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. that they made really good money, did really well for themselves. And then we kind of had this spot where compensation never really went up proportionally with others. And it wasn't just the techs. It was, I think, shops in general. I don't, it just kind of stayed static. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta change things because all this equipment to freaking buy. And then the, the people to work for me. I got to keep those to keep these guys working for me, whoever they are. It's yeah. it's surging up. They they have no choice. So I, I saw on a thread somewhere that uh they were talking about how customers lately seem more um combative than normal, and I think part of it maybe is sitting at home, you know, especially Maybe not like now, now, but a few months ago with COVID type stuff, like they had the time to sit and research. I think that might be part of it. I think the other thing is, is just like rates are going up and they're going up rapidly. Just even in my town, I don't, I think everybody has shot up 20, 30, $40 an hour surge in a, a year or two. That's huge. Mm-hmm. people are uh you know they're like feeling that it's like wait a minute didn't you guys used to be like 75 an hour <laughs> now you're 95 or 105 how do you sleep at night aren't you an attorney what do you charge an hour <laughs> that's different <laughs> yeah it's uh price prices are it's crazy but yeah to keep up with you know all the expenses of everything and uh, you know the the whole um i don't know if it's debate but discussion about paying tax properly and shops are probably doing the right thing like we got to charge right if we want to pay tax right so we can have the right tax here um i think that's that's part of what's been bumping yeah. up prices with certain shops and then certain shops it's just costs and expenses and the fact that people want to fix their cars right uh, i mean the shops i go to they're lined up parking lot they're so busy so well i guess yeah. we'll raise our rates because we have more work than we know what to do with so i mean i'm not i'm not saying i was 100 percent behind some of these stimulus packages um especially like the when the kind of the shutdowns were going on but there is no mm-hmm. denying that that is one of the few stimulus packages I can think of offhand. Not that I was ever really paying attention, but offhand, that's one of the very few ones that I would say had a direct effect, direct positive effect at the shop. People were fixing cars, doing repairs that wow. normally they would have never okayed or they would have spread out over a much longer period of time. So we benefited greatly from that. And then, as you're saying, um, the wages stuff, the wages have probably been going up 
for a while. But I think now the big thing is like the benefits. I think now you're getting more and more text demanding. And and I think rightfully so, right? I mean, if you're a, you're a professional uh-huh. in a, you know, a trade, skilled trade like auto repair, why would that be so much different than, and, and I understand where the differences can come in. I'm not, I don't, don't want to imply that I'm oblivious to that, but as a whole, a profession such a, a skilled trade as auto repair, why would that be so much different than the other skilled trades that typically do enjoy um, ben- the benefits of, like, you know, medical, dental uh, insurance contributions? Sure. So I think you're just seeing a big surge in that. Just talking to some insurance agents, they're like, yeah, you know, I've I've called on these uh, repair shops for decades and they've never asked me about health insurance. And now I'm in there doing quotes, putting on, um, you know, not classes, presentations to the text to everybody about potential plans for them. That's never happened before. So... Somebody, right. Somebody's got to pay for it. And I don't know many shop owners that are just, we're so killing it. They're sitting on this <laughs> heap of money yeah, to pay for all their toys and, you know, the cabin and all that. And then all because they're denying their employees all this. Usually they were kind of right in there with it, scraping by, you know. As well, if not worse, a lot of them worse than their employees. So, where's the money come from? Customers. Yeah, the way it works. Yeah, the the end end user is going to pay for it. Yep. Okay, that's going to do it for today's episode. Another big thank you to Matt for joining me on the show this week. Really appreciate it, and always enjoy talking to him. I also want to thank you, everyone that's listening and sending in feedback to me. Really appreciate it. It means a lot. 100% true, honest. I really do appreciate all the kind words that people have had for me. And I'm glad that this can be um, entertaining and uh, hopefully helpful to some people as well. That's why I'm doing this. So uh, with that being said, let's get out there, start fixing the world one car at a time.